Hello, welcome to the Big Footy Draftcast 2019 edition where we get the guys from AFL Draft Central together to, to give us the, the real inside word on the upcoming draft which is happening this Wednesday and Thursday night, so over the, the two days I believe it is. Uh, we've had a few technical difficulties straight off the bat, but that's alright, we're going to push on nonetheless. So we are joined by Pi for Life. Pi for Life, welcome to you mate. Yeah, good to be here, looking forward to getting stuck into this and chatting some draft coverage. And EDPS, we're just having a few difficulties with his microphone, but we're going to try and keep patching him into the call as we go through. So hopefully he'll be joining us shortly. Um, but Pi, I'll just start with you with your bio. I know you sent me an updated version because it's uh, it's just flourishing over the last couple of years. So you started the Bound for Glory News Rising Star program back in 2012, and you've been involved in scouting under-18s for seven years now. It's a, it's a long time to have eyes over the footy world. Yeah, for sure. It's it's uh, a lot of those players that I first saw are now sort of 100, 150 games into their AFL career. So uh, it certainly flies and makes you feel that bit older when you realise that. But uh, yeah, you keep going each year because you love it so much. So um, yeah, it, it's just enjoyable and I really uh, thrive on doing it. And you created the AFL Draft Central a couple of years ago as a standalone product and you've got over 40 riders that cover all the different regions and games. Uh, you're working full-time on Draft Central now, so it's just gone from strength to strength. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, working um, at Draft Central, like we've got an office in Hampton now um, under Adzi Network, and that's linked with Rookie Me. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's a great sort of opportunity. And honestly, writing about footy, going out to games, uh, just constantly sort of focusing on the up-and-coming talent and being able to do it full-time. It's sort of a bit of a unique job. And, um, yeah, I certainly love it. It's it's probably what I consider the best job in the world, really. So um, I certainly, um, yeah, enjoy doing it and enjoy, I guess, providing all the content to everyone who um, isn't able to get out and see it all themselves. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a great time uh, of year at the moment and throughout the year as well, getting out to the games and seeing all the up-and-coming talent. And you're expanding as well into other sports now, aren't you? You've got basketball, netball over the past 12 months and recently going into tennis and you're going to be launching combat sports soon. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, obviously, over the next few years, we're going to be sort of re- rebranding, revamping sort of the website, making it all look pretty, uh, pretty, I guess, awesome, if you like that. Um, sort of a bit more modern. I've sort of created the site to this point in terms of the look. So we're going to get someone who's actually... Uh, qualified to make it look a bit prettier but um yeah we've gone into a couple of different sports this year with basketball and netball and that's been quite successful um growing up and we've just sort of started the tennis and the combat will come soon and there's a few other sports in the works down the track that we'll uh get stuck into over the next few years so it's it's just going to keep growing and certainly be quite a big organization over the next few years oh that's excellent that's really really well well deserved the growth that you've been able to build out of this so Hopefully that keeps going up and up. All right, we'll start. We'll get stuck into the drafting side of things. Now, a lot of people would have listened to you guys the last couple of years on this show, but uh, for those who are new, we'll go through some of the, the standard questions we've had at the start. How did you first get into the scouting? What was the initial interest that drew you into this? Uh, yeah, well, it was quite interesting. Back in 2012 when we started, I remember um, I was part of the Bound for Glory news uh, radio, a show that we had each Saturday. We used to go out and whatnot and just have a bit of a show on uh, a local radio station. And then basically what had happened is at the end of the year, we had a dinner together and um, just to wrap up and it was happened to be the under-18 champs. So we went down to, um, I guess, Metro, well, down, down to Docklands then and keep forgetting which names which now we're up to Ehad, but basically yeah. Docklands. Um, yeah, we just checked out the under-18 champs, and I go, it's really funny. There's no there's no real content on this. You wouldn't know they're playing. Like, there isn't that much coverage, apart from, obviously, the odd little AFL article. And, and, and come up to November, generally, you don't know until you're pretty much the drafts upon you, and then you've got to learn all these names. I was just sort of like, oh, it'd be great if someone could write about it. And then I thought, oh, well, look, I've got some time. At that stage, I was at uni and, and everything had a bit of time. I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll start writing about it, see how it goes. And, uh, yeah, just sort of grew from there. So um, it was just sort of a thought I'd had. And, and then we, yeah, got a few people together and it kept growing and more people got interested. And, yeah, it grew to where it is now. So you're one of the very few people who's had a thought and actually actioned it and it's become something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's kind of the way that I went about it. I sort of just thought, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I I remember saying to one of the guys, ideally, I'd love how good would it be to be like this, a full time job in an office and everything, and 
Um, even though it sort of took about six years or so to to happen, when it happened, I sort of took a photo and sent it to that guy who isn't quite a part of it anymore, but he's still been a big part of it, and sort of sent him a photo and said, wow, we actually made it happen, which is something we never thought necessarily would happen. We hoped it would, but um, now it is, and, and it's just terrific to be able to sort of study the draft full time and, and do that as a job is just amazing. And how many games per week would you go to on average? I mean, I'm sure that's probably changed throughout the year, but is there a rough ballpark figure? Um, oh, well, I try and go to as, as many as possible. Like if there's a triple header, I'm definitely going to be there. Um, if there's a couple of double headers, uh, I try and get to them. Uh, if there's a game, I, I would at least go to a game a day um, on Saturday, Sunday, depending on uh, scheduling. And I try and pick the ones where, let's say there's something at 10.30 in the morning or 11, and then there's one at, say, 3 o'clock if I can get from one venue to the next i'll definitely do that so i definitely enjoy when the uh fixture comes out and i can all right i can get to this one get to this one and now that i guess all the games are streamed as well the ones that i don't get to i can at least see on the stream which is a bonus but certainly nothing beats getting out there even though the weather conditions can be challenging particularly uh middle of the year during the winter but uh yeah it's it's all good fun and i I sort of love getting out there and certainly uh i don't really have a weekend i guess you'd say apart from when there might be a buy uh from pretty much i guess march through to september so it's a pretty full-on schedule but it's definitely worth it and being out and about at all those games i'm tipping you would have got to know a few of the the club talent scouts and recruiters over the years oh definitely in terms of like um, the you, you get to chat to a few of them and um, some message you and you might uh, say, uh, I guess, talk via social media or, or email or um, just generally at games as, as a whole. So there's a few clubs that you talk to and then there's a few that are linked to other clubs. But I, I also personally like just chatting with the players or, or the talent managers within the um, under-18 clubs because quite often they have a really good idea of where the players are going to go because uh, the different clubs are chatting to them because they want to know um, off the field, what are these players like? What do they offer? That kind of thing. Um, So definitely we've got a close relationship with all the talent managers uh, at the NAB league and and interstate also. We've we've been building that over the last couple of years. So um, certainly it's really exciting and being able to chat to all the, the players, uh, I guess in the preseason testing is really good. And then um, like, we interviewed everyone at the state combine and um, rookie me combine. So um, yeah, that's, that's uh, been really exciting. So we did about 80 interviews uh, on that day and, and they're all in their little profiles on our site, but um, yeah, look, it's just really great and um, really exciting. Now we're about to get started into your top 20 rankings. I suppose the question a lot of people would probably often ask is what kind of things are you looking for to help formulate your rankings as the year goes on? Um, yeah, oh, look, it's it's sort of an ongoing process, uh, but definitely I'm sort of looking at players that stand out, catch the eye. They might have an elite trait. Um, that that they might offer something different compared to the rest of the cohort, and it always changes. Like this year was particularly difficult. I think this has been one of the more difficult years because you've obviously had your likes of Matt Rowe and Noah Anderson um, sort of right out the front for for quite a while. And then there, there's sort of a block of 10, 15 players that are pretty even. Um, and then, uh, like, and I, I've seen clubs can, sort of say... Can you hear me this time? Hey, oh, there, there he is. Hello. There you go. We're no, now awesome. joined by EDPS. Uh, welcome aboard, mate. We're just um, just going through the bits and pieces. I'll come back to you in a sec to get your bio. Yep. Pie for Life was just letting us know about what he's looking out for uh, for his player rankings for this time of year. Yeah, so, um, yeah, as I was saying, it's sort of like it's. it depends what catches your eye and, and what happens with everything, but certainly in terms of um, formulating it, I, I've got things that I like uh, when I see a player. Like I like, obviously, skill, um, decision-making, just maybe line-breaking ability, uh, things like that. Depends on the positioning, obviously, but footy smarts I really like, and um, e- every person who goes out and sees them is a bit different, but there's I, I like it genuine traditional footballer as a sort of I guess way of putting it but also if they've got athleticism then that's something um, really important as well and I I know throughout the year I've changed it quite a bit and there's nothing quite like about to release your power rankings and then go oh hang on I might change this or this so I've sort of got to the point where when I've done it on a Monday before I publish it I try and just step back and 
say, no, nah, I don't want to touch it because otherwise I'll touch it too many times yeah, you just in the last couple of hours. And, yeah, yeah, you just keep hitting the edit button and uh, drive yourself mm. nuts. Exactly, yeah. All right, now we'll backtrack a little bit. So EDPS, welcome aboard, mate. Glad to hear you got the mic working. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a bit of a weird thing because it was the same mic we used last time and I haven't changed any of the settings on the computer, so I don't know what the bloody hell happened. That's all right. You're on board now. That's the main thing. So uh, I was having a look yeah, at your it. bio here. So you've been doing weekly scouting for the last three to four years and this has been, you know, is it two years now you've been doing the Draft Central work? Yeah, yeah, this is my second year. Second year. And um, how's it all going for you? Still enjoying it all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, the team's getting better and better and we're uh, starting to, like, going, going to games with Pete and Michael and all them and Craig, it's it's been really good fun and you bounce off a bit and getting different opinions. So, yeah, I feel like every single year I'm getting getting the hang of it more and more. And how did you first get into scouting? What was that initial interest that drew you towards it? Well, the interest came from uh, trying to see where one of my mates I played junior football with was going to go. So back in 2010, um, I played with Cameron O'Shea, who was picked up by Port Adelaide, played for Carlton for a year. But um, yeah, I had an interest to see where he would get picked up. And then I just kind of looked on the the on like sites like Big Footy and uh, AFL.com at the time. I think I don't think even Cal Toomey was going at that time. But no... Nah, um, I've just kind of got the itch for it, really, after that. And so how many games a week are you going to, uh, on average, now use similar numbers to what Pete's doing almost every weekend? Uh, probably not as much, no. Nah. Because, because I play football still on, on the Saturday, I usually only ever get the Sundays to watch a game. And, I mean, there'll be times where they may have a Sunday game up at Bendigo or up at um, up at Shepparton or something along those lines, which I just really can't get to, so... Um, I, I do get to a bit of games, like especially the finals. I got to go to all of the finals this year, so that was really good. But yeah, um, apart from that, no, there's no way I'd be able to get as much games as Pete does. He's a bloody champion. Given you still play, does the way you look at the game from a scouting perspective at all give you any benefit from a playing perspective? Like, Can you identify opponents' strengths and weaknesses in a bit of a different light to what your coaches or teammates might? Um, in more in more circumstances, it's more helping out my fellow teammates. So um, I'll have something that I'll see um, a lot of the teams do it, it just before a game, and I go go up to my coaches and go, "Oh, could we incorporate those types of activities in, in our training sessions to see if they can, um, you know, that can something we can improve on, whether that's the overhead marking or or a few stoppage situations." So. I'll mostly use it more more as a to help the team out more so than trying to help my own game because uh, for for me especially getting the body fit and firing's been an issue anyway so whatever I can do to help out those uh, guys is what I'll do it for. Fair enough. All right, we'll get stuck into both of your top twenty draft player rankings as of uh, what you've got right now. So this is the the latest edition for all the listeners out there. Hot off the press. I'm not sure if you've both posted it in your respective threads yet, but um. We'll just we'll go with Pie for Life first. Your top twenty player rankings as you have it now. Yep. All right. So I just read them all out, one to twenty, straight out. All right. So um, my top twenty: uh, Matt Rowe, surprise, surprise; Noah Anderson, uh, Caleb Sarong, Hayden Young, Lachlan Ash, Tom Green, Sam Flanders, Dylan Stevens, Luke Jackson, Brody Kemp, Fisher McCasey, uh, Will Gould, Trent Rivers, Josh Worrell, Liam Henry, Devin Robertson, Will Day, Trent Bianco, Cody Waitman, and Finn McGuinness. And that's the top 20. That's your top 20. And EDPS, what have you got for your top 20? Yep, so I'll start off with uh, Noah Anderson, uh, Matty Rowell, Brody Kemp, Devin Robertson, Lachlan Ash, Tom Green, Caleb Sarong, Dylan Stevens, Sam Flanders, Hayden Young, Trent Rivers, Luke Jackson, Finn McGuinness, Liam Henry, Miles Bergman, Sam DeConning, Fisher McCasey, Elijah Taylor, Dylan Williams, and Jackson Mead. Now, you're both interesting that you, how your number one and two are both different. I know ultimately it doesn't matter because they're going to the same club. Um, but interesting to hear your thoughts on is there any particular reason why you had one ahead of the other DPS? Um, more so just the types of players that I like more so. So Noah Anderson's that taller type midfielder with that explosive pace. And he also hits the scoreboard a lot more than Rao does as well. So I see Anderson as that potential 
uh, you know, Patrick Dangerfield or Dusty Martin type of player. Whereas with Matty Rao, like he's guaranteed absolute gun, but I have a feeling that Anderson's upside might have him just a bit ahead. And probably the other thing is, I think uh, both of them at Gold Coast, if they end up spending their careers there, I can see Noah Anderson actually being the captain of that side rather than Matty Rao, as Noah Anderson's got a bit more of those leadership uh, qualities to him. Not that Matty Rao's not, you know, he hasn't got leadership qualities of his own, but it seems that Anderson being the uh, Vic Metro captain and all, he seems to get along with, with a lot of his teammates and seems to relish that side of his game. And Pi Five, how important or how much weight do you put into the fact that it was important for the Suns to take both of these guys because they're such close mates, which has been been well reported, to hold on to them for the future? Do you think there's much in it? Is there really that much of a, a go-home factor if you're going to somewhere like the Suns if you aren't with a close mate? Um, oh, look, I think that just comes down to the individual. We've seen some that have decided they need to go home, but that's not just limited to the Suns. Uh, and I don't think it's just limited to also the homesickness. I think that's also limited to the results. Like, I think if Gold Coast was performing like GWS, I don't think some of the players would have left. Um, but in saying that, that's sort of the way that it sort of pans out. I, I definitely like the idea of bringing players together. Like, we've seen Brisbane do it with success, um, bring up some, like, all the GWV Rebels draft. They brought a heap of them in. Um, and it just it makes it easier for players to, I guess, adapt rather than just be, um, I guess, dumped in a new environment, particularly interstate when it's quite tricky. Um, but I certainly think Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson, for me, are, are the clear top two in this draft. And then you can argue over, like, third and, and beyond. But certainly... Um, I agree that Noah Anderson's got the most potential, potentially, of anyone in the draft, and he could be the best one of this draft. Um, but Matt Rowell as well is that player that you just know he's 200-game player, um, easy as anything. Like there's, You could put him in any single club, no matter the development, and he'll he'll still be a, a great player. Like he'll, he'll be like the Sam Walsh of last year in that sense, that you know he's just going to perform week in, week out. He, he doesn't play a bad game, so... Um, yeah, they're just two different players and they're, they're both going to be great players. And would you expect both of them to, barring injury, of course, to virtually play 22 games for the Suns or thereabouts? Yeah, definitely. Like certainly, certainly Raul will. Um, and Anderson, I'd imagine, would be very close to that. It will, it'll just depend how they want to um, bring him in. But he's certainly ready-made, certainly for the Suns. If he was at another club, um, like a top-end club, I still think he'd play early on but it may not be round one so but for the Suns I'd say he'll probably fit in because he fits a need as well he can he, he'll probably start as a forward where Rao can go straight into the middle um but yeah I'd say Anderson might start as a forward mainly because they also need the target but certainly start as a forward and then also go through the midfield and his midfield minutes will grow as his career goes on they've got the target they're playing Lukosius down back for some reason anyway that's I thought they should have played him forward, but um, that's right. It's a discussion for another time. Now, DPS, the the big word or phrase that gets thrown around each year around draft time, I'm sure you see it a lot, is this draft has got no depth or it's one of the strongest drafts in history. There's not much middle ground with those two statements. In your eyes, where does this draft rank in terms of depth? Uh, yeah, it's always a bit hard to say, especially with this draft. I mean, we're finding it hard enough to read what's going to be between picks 10 and picks, what, 30 at the moment. So it is really hard to tell. And a lot of clubs, every single year, no matter what the draft, are able to find some hidden gems along those lines. So a lot has to do with what clubs look for in a player, how they develop that player. But uh, for me, I, I think I think the, the draft should be pretty good a bit later on. Maybe not as much for the key position types. I think most of those will go early, but... I see the likes of like your Dylan Williams and your Cam Tahini's looking to slide, um, and they've got a heap of talent as those half forward type players. So there's depth in certain areas of the draft this year. So it's not a really good draft through all types of positions. No worries. And um, we'll go to we'll move on to my, one of my favourite parts of the show we've done the last few years is where we do get you guys to do an in depth player review by picking four players that aren't necessarily in your top twenties or the top four because they're all really well publicised and people know a lot about these guys already. So it's more four players who you guys think are, are really good chances to get picked up and could have an impact. Uh, DPS, we'll start with you. Which four players have you gone with? Yeah, so I wouldn't say there is much uh, later types, but they're probably types that I rate a bit higher than others. Well, first off would probably be Devin Robertson, who 
I have it number four on my board. I wouldn't say there'd be many that would have him that high, but I just love the way he goes about it. He's just a real tough nut. So he's, what, 184-centimetre midfielder, 81 kilo. Uh, he didn't test at the combine, but previously he's done really good for speed and agility. Same with his endurance and vertical are also pretty decent. And uh, through, the, through the last two years, he's just been an absolute ball magnet. So as a midfielder, he just knows where to go, can win that hard footy. And uh, the other thing that I like, because you find a lot of midfielders, they know how to win the ball. But the reason I have someone like Devin Robertson top five is just those leadership qualities and the type of things he can do that um, they won't be up on a stat sheet. So you go through some of the championship games. I think he did it twice, running back with the flight to try and take a mark, especially in the game against Vic Country where, um, I mean, the game's on the line. He's done his shoulder previously in that game and he's first contest in the last quarter to win the game. He's going back with the flight to try and take a mark, which... I mean, as talented as some kids are, like that, that is just something you can't teach. So, yeah, Devin Robertson, I think he's got the capabilities to be, you know, if he ever plays in a grand final, I think he'd go real hard to be a North Sith medalist and even down the track as a, as a Brownlow medalist. I think he's definitely got those traits with him. That's a fair wrap. Uh, I think every club would love one of those players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, obviously his disposal is probably something that needs a bit of work and, um, he probably doesn't have the, the ceiling as quite a few others have as well. So I can kind of see why a few people would have him in that 10 to 20 range. And who's your second player? The second player I've got is Trent Rivers, who is another one of those WA players that, yeah, I mean, as a Victorian, I can only really see them when they play the championships. But um, he's one that's had a really, really good year at Colts level, especially after the championships, where he didn't go under 25 possessions at all during the year and was even able to hit the scoreboard as a midfielder despite playing as a rebound defender at the championship. So it really does show his versatility and especially at his size. So he's 188 centimetres, 83 kilo. And just, just from what I saw from him as a, in, even though he was playing down back, he looked to have those midfield traits. So those clean hands, good decision-making, the weaving through traffic. So, as, although I haven't been able to see much of his actual midfield game, I just have a feeling that he will actually develop into that midfielder type. So even though he can play back and through midfield, he may end up being like a Sean Burgoyne type of player. I think he definitely has those type of traits, and that's probably why I have him pushing up to that top 10 range, even though some other clubs may see him a bit later or maybe just as a rebound defender. But um, I certainly think he's got those uh, got those attributes to be one of the the real good players in a few years. Yeah, I've seen a few uh, Richmond supporters really sort of pushing the case that they'd be really happy to get Trent Rivers on board. So he'll be one I think a few of us might watch with interest. Um, who have you got at number three? And, uh, number three, well, he's one that uh, I wasn't really expecting would be on the radars for Melbourne, uh, especially so high. But he's just one who's been a personal favourite for me all year, and that's been Cozzy Pickett. Uh, he's just an absolute excitement machine. Like uh, He can do it all, really, as a small forward. He can kick miraculous goals, left foot, right foot. He puts on pressure. He loves to get physical. He can even fly high for marks, which like that's exactly what you need from a small forward, one that puts pressure, one that can do the spectacular things. I mean, his size goes against him at 171 centimetres, but, I mean, you have, a, have to look at uh, Tip and Woody from Essendon, who's one of the most exciting young, well, not young anymore, but one of the most exciting small forwards in the competition, and he's also 171 centimetres. So I probably wouldn't use that against him. And uh, Pickett has got that aerial ability, which Tip and Woody hasn't shown as much. So he could potentially be even better. And, of course, like Tip and Woody had when he was first started, the endurance is obviously something that, Pickett needs to work on and that's probably why that's affected his consistency through the year and he hasn't been able to have really big games this year but I think he's exactly the type of player that say when he gets to about 23, 24, 25 years of age when he's matured and he's got that running ability with him I think he'll probably be one of the premier small forwards in the competition. Have you seen that footage going around of the uh, it's it's a bump but I'm going to call it a spear tackle that he laid as a shepherd (laughs) Just exciting stuff to see. When, when you have your coach coming out saying, talking about the way he loves to attack the contests and just loves that brutality side of the game, that must really excite some clubs. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's just the one percenters he does as well. Like most clubs, you want you want a small forward that not only kicks goals but also does the other things as well. So that's exactly the type of player you'd be looking at with Cosy Pickett. And who's your fourth player? The fourth one's another one that's been rising up the rankings a bit uh, since I'd chosen him. But um, Sam DeConning is another one I really like from Vic Country. He's what two hundred and one centimeters. Used to be one hundred and eighty six centimeters and under sixteen. So Jesus. he's certainly had a yeah, certainly had a growth spurt, and um, he still has those traits that he had as more of that um, third tall uh, defender. He moves well in in traffic down back. He's a good decision maker. I mean, some of the handballs he, he dishes off like twenty meter handballs. Like you wonder how he can even see them. Like you see with a lot of key defenders that they're you know they're kind of stock standard. You know take your marks like it's like a Mackesy who you know takes his strong marks gets the ball off that's kind of his job whereas to conning he's a bit more slick he he moves in traffic a little bit better which is probably one of the reasons why i have him just ahead of mckasey especially on on potential so within 10 years time i mean the 201 centimeters he's got the athleticism he's got the football smarts so he could potentially play on your talls and smalls and he could even have an ability to go ruck or go forward as well. So he's definitely got that with him. But um, the, probably the things he needs to work on is probably his consistency which and endurance, which, you know, kind of come hand in hand. And the other thing is he's, what, 201 centimetre young player, which, I mean, you don't see that many have very consistent years unless you're an absolute freak like the King Twins last year. So um, I think he absolutely has good value in that uh, second round if he gets there. But... All the late, uh, all the late info is looking like he could be a first rounder. With um, having that kind of growth spurt, how long does it usually take for them to kind of adjust to their new size and fill out? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit hard to say. I mean, um, I wouldn't know too much because I didn't think I had as massive growth spurt as Sam. But um, that that'll be probably something I'll, I'll probably have to look into as well and ask a few questions of guys that have really had that massive growth spurt because that that that's quite quite absurd like having that much of a growth spurt but you see players like like tim english who really grew up and paddy cripps who's who's gone up uh, quite a bit and even um trent rivers as an under 16s i think i saw him listed at what 180 centimeters so he's another one who's grown up a bit so um i think it also has a bit to do with what uh clubs will look at they go all right he's 201 centimeters now maybe he's not done growing maybe he can go even taller yeah that's true as well and I suppose clubs might just view him as a, a bit of a mini project play just to wait and see how he does grow and fill out. So he'll definitely one, be one to watch. Uh, Pie for Life, your list of four. Who have you got first up? Yep. All right. Well, my first one, this could take a whole podcast. I think Ed, Ed knows what I uh, the raps I have on this kid. Uh, Lockie Ash, who's, um, look, he's a top five pick now. and um, But he's been someone who I've really enjoyed watching since last year. He's foot skills are just delightful. Like he can hit passes from 50 plus meters without any trouble. Um, a lot of people, a, a perfect example is a lot of people um, remember the Vic country South Australia game as, as Brody Kemp taking the mark, going back, kicking the set shot. But what people might not have known was the kick straight before that was Lockie Ash who kicked straight to him while he was in the process of being bumped over and still hit the target. And it's just things like that. His vision is just superb. Like I know Ed and I went and um, watched, uh, I think it was Murray playing Dandenong um, out at the Box Hill for the wildcard round. And a perfect example is Murray looked a little bit stagnant at times. And then Lockie Ash just went, you know what, I'm just going to switch this up, switch play, and all of a sudden they got to run on, kicked a goal, and, and kicked a couple of goals from there. He's just such a creator of halfback. He can play along the wing. He can, you know, he's able to just run and carry, make the right decisions, uses the ball so well. Um, you know, he, he's perfectly suited to that halfback role. He has played as a leading forward as well just to show his versatility, but he's definitely a halfback just because of those kicking skills. And um, look, it Midfield development is definitely an area he can improve on, as is his sort of contested ball. But he's a player you don't really want on the inside because of his skill level. So he's definitely someone who I'd be more than happy to have as that outside runner um, come along the wing and, you know, just kick inside 50. And he's just, yeah, he's just absolutely superb when it comes to his skill. He's one of the top couple in the draft that can hit targets without any trouble. So, 
Um, yeah, he's definitely one that I really enjoy watching and, and have done so for the, the past 18 months. Well, I mean, skills these days are at a premium and uh, especially being drill-sided and all those kinds of things. So it will definitely be in high demand if he can hit a target, that's for sure. Wouldn't most club, I mean, everyone needs the, the half-backs these days to set up the attack. That's essentially the way the game's played now. So if he can hit up targets from uh, 50 metres away like a laser, then he will be very, very highly rated. Yeah, for sure. Who, who have you got in your second spot there? Yeah, the second spot is uh, someone who I don't think many people would know about without having really extensively covered the draft. Um, I've gone with Noah Cumberland from uh, Brisbane Lions Academy. He's a player who, when I first saw um, live, he just caught my eye. He's He, again, has that blistering speed which sort of catches the eye. He's, a, I think, a 2.93 20-metre sprint type. So takes the game on. He can sort of play all over, but he can. he's predominantly sort of that half forward, um, and he, he provides great pressure, uh, can play down half back. Um, he's just so aggressive at the ball carrier. We spoke about Pickett, obviously, earlier. Um, Cumberland's in that sort of same mold. He's just so aggressive when he goes to tackle. He really wants to bring players down, um, but he's also got that offensive flair. And the reason I don't think he's been talked up as much is he did miss out last year. He had an ACL. He was out for 12 months. Um, and then he's come back and he's built himself up. Um, he, he started a bit slow and then got into it at the champs. And, look, he's a player who, honestly, I'd have no trouble picking in sort of that um, mid-30s to 40s range. Um, and it looks like the Lions will probably get him for basically nothing, which is a, a great bonus uh, should they pick him up. But, um, he's certainly a player that, um, I, again, has that eye-catching ability. He's um, could improve his kicking a little, so he's a little bit different to Ash from that, and that's why he's not at the top end. But certainly his um, athletic traits and his aggression at the ball carrier and, uh, I guess, going forward, that's what really um, makes him stand out from some of the others. And he, he isn't at that top end, but he's certainly great value, I think, uh, lower down. And the number three player? Your number three is a player who I think, honestly, is a first-round selection. But again, he's had a few injuries, uh, ankle concerns and whatnot coming along, which is Tasmania's Mitch O'Neill. Um, he's someone who I really like. He's he's not overly tall. He's sort of that mid-170s. So again, there's a few like that in this draft. Um, he's able to use the ball well. He takes the game on. Again, we can see the similar traits that I seem to like to look for. But he's a player that... When he gets onto it, he can really kick it long and direct. He doesn't muck around. Um, he, he's got good athletic traits. Agility's quite good. Speed's pretty good. Um, endurance, he works hard. Um, look, he's had his injuries, which is why he sort of gets bumped down, and he hasn't had enough exposed form. But people forget that he is a dual All-Australian, which at the end of the day takes a fair bit of effort to, to accomplish. And um, I think he'll probably end up going somewhere in the 30s because he is that bit shorter and has had the injury problems. But for me, I think that he's definitely, if he played at his best, he's definitely in that conversation for that top 20. And um, certainly one I rate higher than a lot of others. And I, I know Ed was mentioning there's some that he has really high. And he's one that I rated quite highly at the start of the year. And I still do. And I think he's definitely going to be great value for whoever picks him up. How much do injuries really wipe off the value of a player? If they're having a good year and they get wiped out with a knee injury or whatever it might be, does that just do their draft stocks just plummet? Uh, oh, it varies. Like, you look at Max King, he was gone for a year, but then you know that, you know, he, he's already got the runs on the board. You saw in the couple of games what he was capable of doing. And then you've got sort of like your Flynn Perez, for example, who might end up a later a rookie-type prospect who missed the whole year because of a knee. So... He didn't quite have as much runs on the board. They were looking for consistency. It's generally players who, in their bottom age year, they've shown a few things, but they need to show more consistency. And if you're robbed of that, that's where I think you'll end up dropping down a bit, where if you've shown a lot as a bottom ager, generally it's not as bad uh, when you come in as a top ager if you miss that year. Ideally, of course, you'd rather, um, I guess, play it, but we have found out that players who often play hurt end up dropping down the order. Like we've seen it, obviously, Williams, Tahini, um, those kind of players this year that have sort of dropped off a bit because they've sort of been playing with a bit of an injury all year and um, or, you know, say on and off and, and whatnot. But 
it's that kind of thing where it's the weighing up whether it's worth playing through it or whether it's worth just sitting out. And it, there's cases for both. And who was your fourth player there? Uh, my fourth is another one who, if you haven't sort of studied the draft, you probably wouldn't know a lot about. It's Oakley Chargers Cooper Sharman. Um, he was actually a member of the GWS Academy, or he, he trialed out for it. And uh, I didn't, I don't think made the final squad, but he was up that way. And then he ended up moving down to Victoria, um, started playing out at Baldwin, and he's still 19, so he's that overage year. And under Rodney Ede, of course, and Rodney Ede basically sort of pushed him forward as a name that maybe Oakley might want to look at. And Oakley went out and had a look and thought, yeah, he's he's going all right. And um, recruiters caught on, and then yeah, he he ended up in Oakley's program and playing in a premiership and. Look, he's got his consistency issues and, and obviously not being in an elite system, he needs to work on his endurance. But he's just about the most accurate set shot at goal I've seen, um, which is really reliable, bar his grand final where he missed a few um, uncharacteristically. But he's you know he's good overhead. He's got some good pace on the lead. Um, he Once he gets a leap at it, he's hard to stop. And he's beaten some pretty athletic players this year. And uh, look, he's a long-term prospect. He's similar to that Sam Sturt last year. Not quite as elite athletically, but still he's got that, like I guess, development left in him. And he's certainly someone who a club can really mould and, and turn into something they really want. And at 192, but he's probably more like a 194 type player. He's someone who can play um, any a number of roles inside the forward line and, and someone you can rely on when kicking for goal. Very good. I'll thank you for both of your list there, guys. It'll be interesting to see how those particular players go, go on the draft coming up. Sliders and bolters, there's always some of them each year, isn't there, for whatever reasons. Um, I think, I mean, a few of them would have been touched on in your list. But is there any other players, DPS, that you reckon have maybe slid down the order or even bolted up the order that you didn't expect? Uh, well, um, the major bolter I was going to go with, which... Cal uh, Toomey kind of stole my thunder with was uh, Harrison Jones, who has been one that's probably been linked for most of the year as someone who, oh, he could be, what, a 30s pick or maybe a mid-20s pick, but now looks to be firming for a top 20 pick. And I can kind of see why, because if his athletic traits, his athletic traits are ridiculous. So he's elite for speed and he's got really good endurance and vertical leap. And just in the way he plays as well, he's got clean hands he has been known to be one of the harder matchups for most key defenders that have played on him. And he also tackles. Like, I think he had one game this year where he had eight tackles as a key forward, which is, I mean, pretty impressive for that kind of level. And uh, as in terms of uh, as sliders, um, I think Brody Kemp sliding is a bit of a surprise to me. Although he has had the ACL, I still think he's got the potential to be the very best player in this draft pool as that uh, big body midfielder. I mean, he's, what, 192 centimetres, fantastic overhead, uh, knows where the goals are. I mean, um, from what I've seen of him, I think he could be absolutely that uh, Nat Five type of player. But um, maybe that ACL's put teams off a bit too much, but I think any team that gets him in the mid, uh, mid-teams mid is getting an absolute steal. And Pie for Life, you've got any other sliders or bolters that we should know about? Uh, well, the, the pretty obvious uh, slider, I think, is Will Gould, who... For me, I've, look, I've rated him really highly. I love, as I said, traditional footballers. He's got elite skills, elite vision, uh, you know, quite a bit. Elite um, overhead marking, contested work, that kind of thing. Um, unfortunately, his athleticism lets him down, and it's been pretty well, uh, I guess, documented, saying that he didn't show up in the best fitness uh, for the combine, and, and that really impacted um, his results, which weren't overly crush hot. So, look, he's slid down. Uh, to probably that mid-20s to 30 region, that kind of way, when realistically on pure ability is a first-rounder. So I'm interested to see where he goes. He's one of the harder ones to sort of predict. Um, and in terms of a bolter, I definitely would probably go, well, apart from Cosie Pickett, who we've sort of touched on, who's really bolted up the order, I, I, I think someone like a Jay Rantel or a Sam Philp, a couple of, I guess, raw midfielders that... Their kicking can let them down at times, but they've got some great athletic traits. Phil particularly is elite for speed. He's 2.87, 20-meter sprint. He's terrific out of there, and he's really worked on his game this year. And you could be looking at, well, you should be looking at basically a second rounder for those players. And um, at the start of the year, you probably had a mid-draft, or particularly Phil, you weren't sure whether he was going to end up 
going to go because he missed out on Metro selection and, and he just, you know, put his best foot forward and really dominated the year at NAB League and changed my opinion of him, which is um, a, a credit to him because he really started using his athletic traits and standing out. And he's someone that really impressed me in the second half of the year. Now, the other thing I want to ask you guys about before we go on to the first round mock draft, and this is, I know it's not a Richmond-based show, but it's the only examples I can kind of give. We obviously saw last year the Tigers take the punt on Stack and Pickett, who both had football ability, but had character issues seemingly on the surface, but maybe recruiters didn't dig deep enough to find out real reasons why. Do you think there's going to be a bit more of a shift now to give players like that a chance if they do have that natural football ability? Uh, look, I, I think there's definitely um, a chance for that. I think every case is different because I think last year heading into the draft, I had stack about 31 in my list. So um, I only missed out two in the top 50. So I was kind of glad when he got picked up because I was like, oh, that's a bit annoying because I, I you could see his talent. And he's even gone above and beyond what I expected of him um, this year and, and someone who's really got that ability. But he was that player that you could see inside or outside he was capable of doing it. And look, there's always players every year that, you know, their attitude might be questioned, whether it's publicly or uh, behind the scenes. There's a lot of players who... Behind the scenes, recruiters are often saying, look, this player needs to improve their attitude. And it may not be a serious attitude change. It may just be a minor thing. Maybe they're a bit overconfident. Um, Maybe they need to work on their teamwork, for example, that kind of thing. Um, But unfortunately for players like Sydney Stack, it played out publicly. So that was where it was probably that bit more, it was harder on him. um, Where, uh, Which probably isn't really fair. But certainly, I mean, there are players that, even in this draft, there are players that would be questioned on their attitude. Um, it's just, I think, hopefully, they are able to play uh, behind the scenes more so than so publicly. And DPS, the the testing they do now at the combines is that still heavily weighted from a do you think from a recruiter's perspective, or is it more about now what you watch them do live in a game situation as well as the character? Yeah, I think a lot of the recruiters already know how the players will test. I mean, a lot of them, they watch enough footy, they get a rough idea of, uh, say, a player's uh, running patterns or they'll see them take a high-flying mark or something along those lines. So they would obviously be talking to clubs. I mean, um, the clubs would be talking to players, letting them know, all right, we'd rate you in this, we think you could improve in this. So that's a test that we would like you to get to a certain point. So say if they want to pick a certain player that they're not sure on in the 30s or so, they go to that player all right, so we really need your two two kilometres to be at, say, what, six minutes 30 or something along those lines, which has kind of been a thing in the last few years. Like, I, I know for sure there's been a few players in recent years who were only going to get picked up, especially as a rookie, if they got those times. So uh, not only does that, um, that help the clubs, but it also helps the player understand that, okay, I've got to do these type of things to get to that level. And then the clubs can figure out, all right, is this player actually willing to take that next step? Are they willing to do what it takes to fit into our environment? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you're right, though. The the clubs already know exactly what they're looking for. So the fact they can give those players the benchmarks and things to hit probably gives them that bit more ammo to strive for, for pushing themselves a little bit harder to get themselves onto a list. All right, we'll, uh, we'll jump into the first round mock draft, uh, which is can be a little bit tricky with all the trading that's going on with picks, but uh, we'll do it as best we can, as well as the bidding as well. So we'll go through one to... I think it'll end up being 20 or something, won't it, because of uh, the bids that go in there. But So we'll just go through and get Pi for Life, your pick first, and then DPS, and we'll just alternate that way. So pick one, Gold Coast. Uh, yeah, I don't think any surprises. Matt Rowell for me. Yeah. yeah, and uh, pick two for me, I think that's another no surprise, Noah Anderson. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's pretty safe to say those two are heading up to the Gold Coast. Locked in. All right, uh, DPS, who have you got pick three going to Melbourne? So it's looking very likely that they'll be getting Luke Jackson to take over from Maxi Gorn in a few years' time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with that as well. Luke Jackson uh, is what's sort of locked in for Melbourne uh, at this stage, yeah. Okay, uh, pick four with the Giants. 
Uh, uh, Lockie Ash looks to be the selection. I think this is where it's sort of after this it gets interesting. But Lockie Ash is uh, the Giants' selection. And DP, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh well, so top four uh, are all agreed upon. Yeah. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Yep. And um, get interesting because <laughs> <laughs> we we know each other, so I'm interested to see what happens after here. So. So we've got pick five with the Swans DPS. Yeah, and I'm think I'm gonna bid for Tom Green. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so am I. Let's we'll get through that. We're bidding for Tom Green, but it's the next pick after that. <laughs> okay. So what happens next if uh, they're bidding for Tom Green? Uh, Gi- Giants will match that. By the way, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yep. If you're matching that, that's back to me with Swans, correct? Yep, go for it. Who All right, got? and Swans will select Caleb Sarong. And this is where we differ. Um, I'm going with Sam Flanders, um, so Gippsland Power teammates. Okay, so then we move on to Adelaide's pick. So was that Mad makes it pick seven? Yeah, pick seven. Um, I've gone with Fisher McCasey. Uh, I think they'll go with the tall um, key position player there. Um, yeah, so he's pick seven for mine. Yep, and I'll go with that one as well. I'll be going with Fisher McCasey. Okay, Frio pick eight. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep, pick eight. I'll go with uh, Hayden Young. Yeah, I'm also going Hayden Young for Fremantle. Yep. And they've got the back-to-back picks, don't they? So they've got pick nine as yeah. well. How, how vital is that, getting two top ten picks? Oh, it's really important, especially when you get to pick eight and you know you've got a couple of selections, you can fill a couple of needs. So um, it's quite surprising to think Hayden Young would make it this far given that Melbourne was considering him with pick three. But, um, yeah, I think he's an absolute steal. And he and for my pick nine, I'm going Devin Robertson. I think they're going to go for the, the WA um, captain in there and MVP winner. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robertson for mine at pick nine. Yep, and I'd have to agree with that one as well, with Robertson Jeez. at that pick. You've got to yeah. stop agreeing, fellas. We've got to have some conflict. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair enough. Uh, pick 10 for Carlton. Well, this is where we're going to differ because this is where I've got Caleb Sarong. So, um, yeah, I think that he's going to make it through to Carlton and, yeah, be a very handy selection there. Yep, and this is where I would put a bid on for Liam Henry. Mm. Right, okay. So if you put the bid on, what plays out after that? So then um, Carlton would just come up to the next pick and that's where it would uh, kind of line in with what's wrong with Pete. I'd go uh, Sam Flanders for Carlton. Okay. So this makes it awkward because now we're working off uh, two different lines because you put the bid in and Pete <laughs> didn't. Um, yeah. I've got, we'll go, we'll stick with the, what it's technically meant to be, I suppose. Uh, Melbourne at 11. Yeah, Melbourne. Now I've done. I've been tossing up between these because um, I was gonna lean towards Cosy Pickett because that's what everyone's sort of been going. But I want to stick with Cody Waitman for the time being because I think they've put too much work into him. Um, again, that might change tomorrow, but certainly Cody Waitman I've gone with for the time being. Yeah, and for Melbourne, for me, I'll probably stick with the uh, whispers with Cosy Pickett. When you hear whispers like that, is it? Are they legit? Are they real, or is it just a, a manager trying to beat up um, his players? You know, value a little bit. Uh, it can be a bit of both. It, it really does depend. Like, but usually, I think it's a lot to do with managers as well. With uh, you know, people instead of asking players or clubs, I'll, or, or some of will ask clubs. I think it's mostly you know people will ring up managers and see what they have to say, but. I think certain clubs would also be a bit wary of that and go, okay, you are the manager of this player. We'd rather you not, you know, put out this info. So I think there's a little bit of a cat and dog there, especially. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hawthorne, pick 12. Uh, Well, for me, this is where we'll level it back out because this is where I had the bid for Henry coming in. Um, uh, And basically they would match that Fremantle. uh, And then I had Dylan Stevens going to Hawthorne. Yeah, and uh, where it differs for me, I would have Brody Kemp going to Hawthorne. Port Adelaide, pick 13. Uh, I'd go with Will Day. I've got heading to the power. And for me, for Port, I'd be going Dylan Stevens. Western Bulldogs, pick 14. Uh, well, I know we're going to be different here, so uh, I went with Cozzy Pickett because I think whatever Melbourne does... 
the Bulldogs will be opposite. So Pickett goes at 10, Waitman will be here. But, uh, yeah, since I picked Waitman, I'll go with Pickett here. Yeah, and once again, mine's pretty much the reverse of Pete, and I'll have Cody Waitman to the Bulldogs. Uh, we're going to pick 15 for Geelong. Uh, yeah, I've gone with Brody Kemp, who's still on the board. So, uh, yeah, I've gone for Kemp to Geelong. And for me, uh, they've come out saying they want a key defender. Since they've missed out on McCasey, I'm going the next best in Sam DeConning. Pick 16 for the Suns. Uh, yeah, I've gone with Trent Bianco uh, from Oakley Chargers to join the other couple of Oakley boys up there. And for me, I've gone Will Day, cousin of Sam Day, already up there, and he's also a supporter of Gold Coast, so that should be a good pick for them. Pick 17 for Port. Yeah, I've gone with uh, Josh Worrell here. He's the best key position player on the board, and um, depending on what Geelong do, but uh, yeah, I think that he's the best one left and uh, the one they're going to go with. And for me, I'm going to go his teammate at Sandringham, Miles Bergman. Pick 18 for Geelong. Yep, this is where the other key position player comes in, in Harrison Jones. I've got him going to Geelong um, there, and it'll be quite interesting to see what Port do, because I think they'll do the opposite. Well, yeah, I've um, uh, gone Josh Worrell this time for Geelong. Pick 19 for Port. And this is where Miles Bergman comes in for Port for me. So we've both got him going to the same club, but I've got him maybe slipping to there, but it just depends. But, yeah, I've got Miles Bergman. Yeah, and for that Port pick, it's where it's to and throw from this area, and I've gone Harrison Jones. <laughs> and pick 20 for Richmond. Uh, I've got them bidding on Finn McGuinness here, um, which Hawthorne would match, and then I've got them picking Cooper Stevens. And for me, I'm... Have a feeling they're going to go with Trent Bianco. All right, there we go. So that's the the top twenty uh, mock mock round. Well, first round draft. So let, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out for you guys. I know the bids can throw things into chaos along the way, but it's uh, we have, have we seen many teams not match the bid. I think Dunkley was on. I remember from the Dogs, but does it seem like more often than not that the clubs match the bids? Uh, at, at the top end, they do. Um, Usually, uh, like Mozzie was another example last year, um, and North Melbourne went on a spree a little while ago. They got Declan Watson from Brisbane and, and whatnot. And um, look, I think there's a ch- case for it to be um, this year with Liam Dallahunty, given that GWS are going to go into deficit and physically can't match him if there's any points. So um, he's a chance to go elsewhere. And Will Martin's another one that I think is a chance to go elsewhere, depending on when a, a bid comes in, because. Um, Brisbane have got a few players they've got to try and um, get on the books. So, um, yeah, I think there's a chance. But generally, if you're talking top-end talent, I think they're all going to match them down to Mead. And then after that, it'll be interesting. All right, before we finish up, we've got a couple of questions from some listeners. Uh, the first couple are from Lemming Master from Big 40. Uh, I'll throw this one to DPS. Your thoughts on the ability to to trade after a bid has been made on a player. Do you think the AFL will maintain the rule or will it change? Yeah, I think they'll maintain the rule because I think it'll get a bit hairy in that in that particular case because I think they'll also want that uh, trading to be done beforehand, which it's been done what this year. So to be honest, I think I would have it the way it is at the moment. And what about you, Pi for Life? Would you agree with that? Yeah, look, it's it's quite interesting because I think that it's very complicated system, and I think we're trying to Americanize it, I guess you'd say. But um, yeah, look, I think that they need to whatever they do, they need to get it right before next year because next year is going to be complicated as anything with uh, the amount of academy and father sons and everything else that's going on in that draft. So um, I think whatever it is, they're probably going to use this this year to trial and see how it goes, and then they'll make adjustments on the uh, the fly if they need to. But, you, you um, yeah, they need to. This will be a way to screw us out of getting Mary Rioli Jr. I can tell you now, this, this is a year-long set player. They'll tweak something, and we'll get dotted here. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Every Everyone's got someone next year, I think. Well, most True. clubs, probably about it's 10 general. or 12 clubs, so. Yeah, yeah, Essendon finally have some players in the NGA they could get, and that'll be when they change it. <laughs> Is that one of the yeah. highest amounts that have to have available? That's a crazy number. 
Yeah, but they've also only had it a few years. So the clubs are now openly being able to grab kids and bring them into their programs and everything and build it up. So I think we'll see that happening a lot more. So if anything, it'll end up changing the academy rules or things like that that restrict the access or or, or whatever because I think clubs are getting, um, I guess, more clever uh, at trying to find the talent um, and that's where the question comes in is how much is your academy given and, and whatnot. But certainly I think next year is going to be quite interesting and really difficult to kind of, I guess, um, predict because there's so many players that are going to get bid on or go to clubs and it's just going to create a real mess when it comes to phantom drafts where bids <laughs> are going to come in and everything. Yeah, good, good luck, fellas. <laughs> mm. um, question number two, Jay Rantel, I hope I pronounced that correctly, what is holding him back from being rated by many people in the top 20? And I think he was a former basketballer, if my research yeah. is correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, Jay Rantel, the kicking's the main thing. Um, he's still developing, and that's that's the big aspect. I think, like, in terms of his athletic ability, he's terrific. His running is as um, elite as anyone in, in the whole draft crop. Like, he can run a 22 uh, yo-yo or beep test, whichever one you want to uh, sort of call it. Um, definitely that's the kind of um, elite running he's got. It's just trying to iron out that kicking. And, look, he's got better over the season, and he's someone who I think has a lot of development left. Um, but, yeah, it's just sort of that trying to iron out the kicking and, and whatnot because certainly athletically he's, he's pretty good. Um, but just making the right decisions and, and developing that side of the game, which is natural for someone who's come from sort of that basketball background. Yeah, and something I'll add to that, which is also pretty minor, is during the NAB League, um, the, whenever he played for the Rebels, they didn't really go up against the likes of uh, Rail and Anderson. Like, so they didn't play Oakley, and they didn't play Sandringham. He didn't play them at all during the NAB League, so it was really hard to see him. Well, he's dropped out there. Oh, he's just gone mid-sentence. He's gone. The second lot of questions is from Twitter, from Roxman. Mm. Are the knocks on Will Gould overblown? Surely in an elite environment he'd flourish. Yeah, look, um, I, I agree. Look, I he's one of my favourites. I've enjoyed watching him all year in terms of his on-field ability. And I agree that you're going to improve some of the athletic ability coming into a, a club. Um, in saying that, like my, most testing results, I'd be happy to sort of, you know, say, oh, he, he did this or that. His testing results were pretty bad, like up there were the worst I've seen. So, um, and he did come in at the extra, so I think 106 kilos, which has been made to the public. And look, it's not the best shape. He was obviously celebrating a premiership and whatnot and coming back in and, um, you know, he admitted that and look, apparently he's trimmed down since then. Um, I think that getting into a, a club would be terrific. I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, but I think there is some stuff outside of the testing results, like in terms of, you know, defensive abilities that, um, a, a, another area that I think clubs will, um, get him to work on because offensively he's really good and he's good one-on-one, but I think it's just sort of some defensive as- um, aspects. But in saying that, like, I've had him ranked in my top 20 all year in terms of ability. So he's definitely someone that I really rate. Um, It's just building that athletic profile. And the final question, if Cooper Stevens didn't break his leg, where would he be rated? Um, Oh, he's, well, he looks like he's probably going to go top 20 or close to it anyway. And that was about where I had him. But he he could well have been pushing up into that... um, 10 to 15 bracket. He's pretty consistent. Um, doesn't have a lot of knocks, maybe sort of kicking at, at speed and um, whatnot. Sometimes he can overuse the ball when he's um, moving around the ground. But look, his inside work's terrific. And I probably had him about 15, 16 to start the year. So look, he, he's really consistent. He's probably an underrated player. Um, for the clubs that can't get like a Devin Robinson or someone like that, he's definitely a player that is great value um, in that late first round, early second round pick. Um, and yeah, I, I, look, I think he'd probably be around that 10 to 15 mark. Certainly top 20 where he is, but yeah, it might be a, a smidgen higher. But then again, um, if he didn't perform as well, he might have been a bit lower. So, But I, I reckon around that 15 mark. 
Is that about where you reckon as well, DPS? Yeah, if you can uh, hear me again. Yeah, we got you back. We got you back. Yeah, <laughs> don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, so so for me with um with Stevens, like uh, I obviously didn't get to see as much of him as uh, Pete did last year. I mean, he got to see a lot more of the Geelong Falcons, but um, uh, I think he's one that's pretty hard to rate as well as that inside mid because I haven't really seen that real bullish type tendencies. He's more of a uh, you know, just reading the tap, kind of like your Scott Pendlebury, who's a big inside mid, but usually uses his um, his judgment in the air to win his win his possessions. But I mean, he he could range between what between what twenty and thirty at the moment. So, and that's kind of where I've had him thereabouts, going off my own viewings of him. All right, well there we go, folks. That is the 2019 draft wrap. A huge thanks to Pi for Life and EDPS, the guys from Draft Central, for giving your time up tonight on what's one of your busiest weeks for the year with a, a big few nights coming up ahead, guys. So thank you so much for your time and for your insights. Really appreciate it. Yeah, not not a problem. Always enjoy doing this and looking forward to the week ahead. Absolutely, and we'll make sure we follow your predictions with interest and, and see how you guys go, but you've both got very good track records, so you've got no doubt you'll be about the mark again. Thanks again, guys, and we'll do it all again next year. No worries. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate.